notice life is full of curveballs? There's times in your life where stuff just comes at you. Um, Jesus' disciples had one of those days, and that's what we're going to look at in John chapter 14. And he provides them with some encouragement because he knows that they're going to face some emotions. Now, they probably wouldn't have admitted that they had any fears or anything regarding verse 36 through 38 of the previous chapter. After all, if Jesus was going to go somewhere that they couldn't come, uh, if there was going to be social pressure, religious pressure, anti-religious pressure put on them because of their faith, you know, they had, you know, they had experienced to that point some of that, but here, you know, it's picking up pace and there's pressures and... Uh, you know, who knows how that was affecting them. It could have affected their pocketbook. It could have affected their social life. It could have affected a lot of things. Can you think of a time in your life where the confluence of circumstances hit you? And whether you say that you had concerns or a little bit of stress, a little bit of anxiety, maybe a little frustration, maybe even a little bit of anger, at the confluence of all those different things that you didn't plan for that came your way, how did you respond? And Jesus is trying to help us to understand that life is like that. There's curveballs in life, and there's days that are just wonderful and just seem great. But he wants his disciples with the upcoming, the forthcoming troubles that are coming their way to be able to handle them without the stress, without the anxiety, do you know what the number one stressor of Americans are? 94% of Americans experience stress and anxiety as a result of their workplace. The workplace. That's right. And in the age group of about 33 to about 44, the number one stressor right now is finances. I actually wonder if, if you're outside that age group if you wouldn't agree that inflation has come your way. It's affected you. Maybe you've turned the news on or listened to it on your electronic device and you go, man, there's a war here, there's a war brewing there, there's conflicts here, and you just feel it. You just kind of feel that experience of some anxiety with, is the world a place where I can be calm and experience peace? And Jesus wanted his disciples to respond to these, these hardships, these troubles with faith, not fear, not anger, and to relieve some of that stress. And so that's what we're going to look at today because Jesus Christ is the comforter, the comfort in a troubled world, in a world of conflict, and he can be that for you. I look back asking myself the same question, what was the confluence of things that came together that brought about the most stress in my life? I was uh, about to finish up my master's degree. I was going to defend my master's thesis uh, in a week and a half. I remember that I didn't really have a plan for after graduation, so I was looking at two and a half, three weeks away, not necessarily knowing where I was going to go, what what job I was going to pursue for summer work. And I remember I got this very unusual phone call. It was that uh, Friday evening, and I was in my, well, it wasn't a dorm as you would think. It was a house, privately owned house, and eight of us guys rented it uh, from the couple. And it was just across the street 
from the college. And I still remember it was dark outside. It was probably about 7 to 7.30 at night. And the phone in the house rang. And one of my housemates said, Ken, this is for you. And I went and got the phone, and it was my dad. It was my dad. And, you know, how you doing, dad? Oh, I'm okay. How about you? Uh, he said, I haven't heard much from you. Well, you know how it is, Dad, busy, writing papers, writing a thesis, all that stuff. And he said, um, are you coming home for Thanksgiving this year? And I just paused because I go home for Thanksgiving every year. And I just thought it was really unusual that he would ask that. And so the next week, I did just that. Drove home to Southern Oregon, visited with my parents, enjoyed Thanksgiving with them. And then a day and a half later, I get woken up in the middle of the night. Ken, Dad's going to the hospital. What? what, what why? What's going on? Uh, his heart. Something's going on with his heart. And I get up and quickly get dressed and run down, and he's sitting there, and he's having difficulty breathing, and the ambulance comes, and they take him to the hospital, and we follow him in, and, you know, you just end up sitting there. And I'm just, after a couple hours of just sitting and waiting for an answer, I'm sitting there thinking, man, what, what's this going to mean? Maybe I need to stay here. Maybe I'm not going to go back to school right away. What, how's this going to work out? And just all of, these, all of these pressures just kind of added up on me as I was sitting there thinking about, well, what, what's going to happen and what am I going to do? I'll tell you the rest of the story a little later. That's right. Keep you in suspense. That's right. I can tell you this is that I learned something those days, experientially, you know, you talk about the Bible and, you know, but sometimes you don't necessarily, you haven't necessarily lived it. Amen? Yeah. You, you know the words, but have you experienced Christ as your comfort? Does he help release and help relieve your pressure what goes on in your mind or in your gut or, or wherever it affects you, does he help you? Well, we're going to talk about that today because he was trying to help his disciples with the same issues. And so we're going to look at four different anchors for comfort in your life. And an anchor is something that finds a place and stays there. There's something stable in the universe that helps you with the security of comfort. And the first thing he tells his disciples is that there's a place for you. Through faith in Jesus Christ, God offers a place for you. And so let's read what he said to his disciples. Let not your hearts be troubled. And I can't see your heart. Only you really know your heart other than God. And within your heart today, is there something troubling you? The Greek word means something agitating. You almost get the sense of something that vibrates or affects you, and it just sets you off. Something that hits you sideways, something you didn't anticipate. What presses your button and causes you to feel troubled? 
One Greek scholar says this talks about the very thing that we experience today in, in America, anxiety. And he says it comes in the heart where this trouble takes place, where your thoughts, your desires, your dreams, your visions, back in the silent places where you have built this castle, this empire, at least in your mind, and then something happens that affects it, and you're troubled. Well, the way Jesus told his disciples that they were going to need to deal with this is that they would need to believe in God, and that makes sense, doesn't it? But he also said something just right on the heels of that, believe also in me. And folks, the Greek word pistuo here is the very same word there, pistuo. He's calling us to believe in God and in Jesus. He's asking for the same response. That's pretty bold, isn't it? To mention God and having faith in God and then have faith in me also. And so that's going to help us to understand what Jesus says a little bit later when he talks about his relationship to the Father. Just cluing you in here, he's saying, you believe in one God, believe in me also. And so, I remember talking to a guy by the name of Art, and he was a really nice guy. And I got, he opened up really quickly. I remember it was on uh, Burnside Street in downtown Portland one Friday evening, and just started talking with a guy, and he started talking back, and I like talking with people, so we had a nice conversation. and uh, We ended up talking about God and faith and Jesus and got to share with him for probably 10, 12 minutes. And all of a sudden, I had this flashback to my dad. Art all of a sudden takes a hold of his chest like this and goes down to his knees. And all of a sudden, I'm going, oh, my goodness. And I, I just thought, uh, anybody, any, uh, I was by a store. I ran and said, call, call an ambulance. The guy out here is having some incident. And the ambulance came and swept him up on the gurney and hauled him off. And that's the last I ever saw of art. It was kind of crazy. I, I called all the hospitals, but because of... Uh, the rules about privacy, no one would disclose anything to me. All I knew was a guy by the name of Art. And to this day, I wonder, what happened to Art? Just in a moment, his life went from like this to on his knees holding his heart. One of the things that we had talked about was where he lives, and he said, well, you're looking at it. I said, what do you mean? I said, I just live out here. I mean, you do, I said, you don't have an apartment. He said, no. No, I'm, I'm homeless, but I've got a home. Well, what do you... He said, I just find a place to lay my head, just like some of my other friends out here, and we just live our life out here on the streets. And I said, Art, what's that like? He said, well, whenever I get my Social Security check deposited in the bank, that's the worst day of every month. Because that's when people know that there's money on the street and you have to be careful. 
because you could get your money taken away from you on the street. And so you need to learn to be quiet about those things. But that's the day that we just know that, you know, you just keep your head low and you don't say much. And I thought, that's quite a life that you're living. Finding a place to lay your head. And I wondered, I just had shared Christ with him and that, that Christ was offering him a place in his heaven. And as the ambulance drove away, lights flashing, I just thought, Art, are, are you willing to trust Jesus? We just talked about Jesus. Art, call out to Jesus. Stuff happens, folks. And Jesus says to his disciples about his father that he has a house. And in that house are many rooms. Some of your translations say mansions. Uh, well, that doesn't really fit because you don't put mansions in a house. A house has rooms. Uh, the word means an abode, a place where you reside, a, a place where you lay your head. I've grown up my whole life, and my dad provided a home and a bed and food, and I got to enjoy that. And there were a few times where I said, Dad, thank you. And one of those times was when I went home that Thanksgiving. Remember the phone call? And when I got home, I gave Dad a hug, and I said, Dad, thanks for having me here. Thanks for all the years that you gave me a place to lay my head to sleep, provided food. Thank you for letting me come, in here, come down here uh, last year for the year and do ju uh, junior college education, get that year out for um, all my general ed stuff. I said, Dad, thank you. Thank you for helping out. But there's some people that don't experience that in their lives. They're kind of like art. They're just trying to find a, a place on the street, a nook, a cranny, a dry place under a little awning or overhang. And they experience life a little bit differently. They don't have a place where they know they can go. They have to search for it. And you see, I wonder in life's troubles if we don't experience somewhat of that feeling of I wish life was a little calmer, a little more secure, a little bit more fun, because sometimes life throws curveballs at you. And I think some of you are sitting here today and you're going through it. It could be a relational curveball. It could be something that's going on with your health. It could be someone at work that you're not getting along with. It could be a relative issue. It could be your automobile that you turned the key and it didn't start today, and you took the other one. Whatever your trouble is, Jesus is saying, I offer a place to you, and that place is secure. And he says, if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? The word prepare means just that. Heaven has already been created for us. Every believer has a place, a home, a room in the Father's house. And it's prepared for you, meaning that Jesus is creating a tailor-made place for you. 
I can't tell you what features that means for you, but I can tell you when you get there, because of your relationship with Jesus, I think you're going to go into that room or those rooms, and you're going to be amazed, and you're going to know that Jesus knew things about you that he created in those rooms for you to enjoy and that you would recognize that he knew you well and that he had decorated and set up those rooms just to say, I did this for you. So I wonder, if I might take a little liberty here, I wonder if, I wonder if my coworker, Matthias, if he's going to get to heaven and Jesus is going to take him to the place in the Father's house where he has his room, and I wonder if in his room Jesus is going to put a wonderful, beautiful, high-quality fly pole because Matthias and I have gone fly fishing, and we know the rhythm. It's like an art, and it's so much fun to to send that artificial fly out to the fish and to watch it come up from the deep and come up to your fly and either greet it or to take its tail and slap it out of the water. And Matthias and I have had some fun fishing experiences, and we both enjoy the fly pole rhythm. And I wonder if Jesus just might have on the wall for Matthias a fly pole. I wonder what he might have for you on the wall. I wonder what he might have for decor there that you're going to know, Jesus, you were thinking of me. You actually prepared, you tailor-made a place for me. And so as the disciples are anticipating all these struggles that they're facing in the moment, socially, religiously, and otherwise, This must have been a word of comfort to them to tell them, don't let the troubles take you places that are unhealthy. And he said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, then he gives you this perspective. I'm going to come again. Jesus is going to return for his people. And I'm going to take you to be with myself. That where I am, you may be also. He wants to be with you. Do you remember when you desired in your heart a relationship where someone valued you and cared about you and wanted to spend time with you? And they actually went out of their way to do that with you. Remember how it made you feel. It was a great feeling, wasn't it? It's an amazing feeling. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to come back because I want you to be with me. I want you to be with me. He's inviting you into this kind of a relationship that where I am, you're going to be with me. He doesn't just give you a place to live, but he gives you a devotion from his heart to you. Heaven is going to be a wonderful place of fulfillment You know there are people who actually retire, talking to you seniors, who actually choose to retire and go somewhere based on whether they feel safe. And so there's some parts of the area where maybe you would go, I'm not going to retire there. 
I think I'm going to come out to uh, uh, Washougal. I think I'll go out there to Washougal. That's sure a nice place. Um, I still remember how God provided for my family, and we were coming down uh, 14 off the hill from Cape Horn, and we did our annual uh, fall see the trees, see the leaves trip up the Oregon side, cut across the river on the bridge of the gods, and then come back here. And I remember coming down the hill and driving and just seeing this little town out there to the right and saying to my wife, Susan, said, wouldn't it be something if someday we lived at this quaint little town? <laughs> a couple years later, I get a phone call from Pastor Bill Pruitt here at the church saying, we're growing fast. We've made a job that we think fits you. Would you be interested in coming to look at it? And within a year, we were here. And I've always just smiled and thought about that drive and thought, hmm, how interesting. And I thought, this would be a great place to raise a family. I think it is. I think it's a great place to meet Christians and to share Christ with people who are pretty open. And I think this is a wonderful experience. And some of you have even chose to move here for that same reason. Now, if that gives you joy and peace and enjoyment, just imagine what it's going to be like when you see your personalized room in heaven. And Jesus delights to give it to you. Wow. Well, there's also a way. The second anchor that we're talking about is a way, and a way for you, by faith in Jesus, to actually get there. And some of the disciples had questions about this. For example, here's Thomas. Now, he's picked on a little bit because people say, oh, doubting Thomas, you know, he's always negative. He isn't always negative, but he's, I think he's a thinker. I think Thomas is a, an empiricist, you know. He's kind of that science-minded guy that says, if I can't see it, feel it, um, taste it, you know, sense experience, I've got to experience it to really know. And so I, that's why I think he's a thinker. And Jesus says to him and to them, you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Well, Thomas is thinking about something different than Jesus. Thomas is saying, where are you going? What's the destination? Uh, Thomas hadn't been to heaven. I haven't been to heaven. You haven't been to heaven. Where is heaven? Well, the verse tells you where heaven is, and the previous verse as well. It's where Jesus is. It's being in the presence of Jesus, the God of the universe, the God of love, the God of justice and mercy, the God of wisdom. And Thomas is saying, Lord, where is the destination? Can you give me the GPS coordinates? Uh, can you, or can you give me a, a photo? Can you give me some image? Can you pull something up so I can see the destination? And Jesus is just focusing on how to get there. Thomas is thinking, where is there? 
And so he asked, how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am. I am. Does that sound familiar to you? From the Old Testament, where God revealed himself as I am, the self-existent one? And that's what Jesus says to him because he wants him to know that the way is through God, and that's what he's claiming. He's claiming to be God. He says, I am the way to get there. I am the path. You know, it's not, it's not about a process to get to heaven. It's not about meeting your requirements to get to heaven. It's, it's not about being a nice guy, a nice gal, nice person. The Bible doesn't say you get there by being nice. The way is through Jesus. The way is a person, not a thing, not a process, not a performance that you do to try to impress God. The way is a relationship with the I am God, the self-existent one, the one who made it all. And so Jesus tells him a second thing. He says that uh, I am the truth. And for three years, Jesus had taught the disciples, Thomas and the rest of them, what heaven was about, how to have a relationship with God, how to pray, how to be in the Word, how to seek God, how to love people. But you see, he wasn't saying you have to do something to get there. He says you need to understand that heaven is a gift. It's something that you receive from me. It's through Jesus not through you. And so Jesus has revealed these truths to him and the disciples, and then he says, and the life. I am the life. And not physical life, but eternal life, spiritual life. So it's no wonder that Jesus would say, no one can come to the Father except through me. Because there's no no spacecraft. There's no F-15. There's no way of getting into a physical object and asking the driver to say, take me to heaven. It's through Jesus that that gets taken care of. And so we end up not looking to ourselves, but we look to God for the answer. And Jesus is providing it. And so he explains, if you had known me, and notice it's past tense, you would have known my father also. I think he's saying that there was a time in your spiritual journey, your thinking, that you didn't know me, but you knew about me because there's a big difference, isn't there? You can know all about religion, the Bible. You could even quote it. But it doesn't mean that you actually know and have experienced God in a relationship. And that's what Jesus is saying to him. Go deeper. Follow me. Experience me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to actually know the Father, well, you know me. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And in that way, Jesus was saying, I am the revelation of the Father. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Yes. And Jesus is that word. 
And by seeing him, you understand what God is all about and what God is offering you. And so that takes us now to the third anchor of comfort, that there is a God for you to know experientially in Jesus, that you can have a relationship with him. And it makes sense, the process Jesus is taking the disciples through. It starts with the destination. Everybody kind of thinks once in a while about heaven. Well, how do you get there? What's it like there? All that sort of thing. He says, there's a place for you. Trust me for it. He says, there's a way to get there. Trust me for it. And now you ask, why should I trust you? It's because Jesus is God and that in knowing God, you can understand what he has to offer you. So on comes to the stage Philip, another disciple. Philip said to him, by the way, all the disciples are transparent and they reveal their weaknesses. They all have strengths, but they all have weaknesses. And Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. So what was he asking for? Was he asking for, like in Exodus 33, verse 18, Moses asking for uh, God to reveal himself right there on the spot in some manifestation. They call it a theophany in college. Theo, God, and the rest means revelation, a God revelation, a sighting, a God sighting. And that's what Philip is asking for. Show us the Father. And Jesus' answer to him, like Thomas, educates him. Have I been with you so long? And that's his first answer. I've been with you three years. Haven't you seen me? And still you do not know me, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And so he's saying, Philip, you, you don't need a revelation of the Father. For three years I've been with you. I am the revelation of the Father. And you have your answers. So in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the author of Hebrews obviously had come to the same conclusion because he said that Jesus reflects the glory of, the, of God and bears the stamp of his nature, upholding the universe by the word of his power, that Jesus Christ is God and that he controls the universe by his power and that he is the very nature God and the glory of God is in him because he is God in all glory. Do you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? Once again, he says, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And the words that I even say to you, I do, do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. And so this sets the stage. I've spoken to you. I've done miracles before you. You've, you've, you were with us that day, remember, when I walked on water and you saw Peter get out of the boat? because Peter jumped right into things, and Peter wanted to have faith, and he wanted to see if he could walk on water. And he watched Peter go down, because Peter started focusing on his circumstances and the troubles in life, and that took him out of the field of faith, out of the mindset of faith. Faith is able to handle circumstances and overcome the emotional reactions and responses that we have when we're in the midst of it. And Jesus is saying, You've seen me in the words I've spoken and the works I've done, Philip. All of those are from the Father. And so, 
Philip, remember when the kid fell out, fell out of the balcony and hit the floor and died right there on the spot? Wow. Remember the, the a military guy that showed up that day and said, my child is really sick. I came here, Jesus. You don't have to go there. I trust you. You can just say the word just like I do to my officers. I just give the command. They do it. You could command this disease to leave my daughter. Would you please, Jesus? And when he got back home, he asked, what time did my daughter become well? (laughs) He checked his sundial. And it was at that very moment that he had been talking to Jesus that day. All of these experiences of Jesus and the supernatural that made everybody go, wow. Who could do this but God alone? And that is the answer. Jesus said, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on the count of the works themselves. And that's his invitation to you today. He doesn't ask you to have blind faith. He asks you to have an informed faith. Read the Bible. Read the four historical documents that describe what Jesus said and did. They're called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And read them. Find out what Jesus was about, what he promised, what he lived for, what his name stood for, and decide. Make your decision. And the reason that the rest of us are here is because we've basically done the same thing. It took, we're on a journey. It took us some time to figure it out. But wherever you're at today, God is right there with you. He's just inviting you. Take the next step. Trust. Trust that I will come into your life. I will give you a place. I'll provide the way. <laughs> I'll take care of you. And then finally, the third or the fourth anchor is that there's a vocation. What I'm saying there is that there is a life's work for you that's different than what you thought. And as you pursue Christ, he has something for you that will actually kind of confirm the reality that your faith is in a powerful God, a real God. So Jesus says to the disciples, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Wow, that's cool in itself, huh? Have you experienced that? And we've already talked about some of the works that Jesus did. Not just talking to people, but helping people. In some cases, feeding people, healing people, housing people. Why why do you think starting this evening, we're going to be housing some people that we are helping in the name of Jesus to get back on their feet? With the prayer, they'll get full-time work so that they can get in full-time housing and that their families are going to experience a place. Jesus said, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, but he goes beyond it and says, greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Jesus' ministry, when he was here on earth, was focused... on a little piece of real estate in the Middle East. The Palestinians call it Palestine. The Jews call it Israel. And it's in the news every week. It's just always in the news. And that's where Jesus came to his own, to the Jewish people. 
And that's where he did his miracles and invited them into a real deep relationship with the creator of the universe. And he says, the reason you will do greater works is because, he says, I'm going to the Father. Now, I can't tell you the next uh, few uh, applications. I'm going to tell you, you want to come next week. I'm going to be here next week. I'm excited about next week because he's going to tell you where the power comes from. But I don't have time for that today. I just want to point out greater works. Jesus ministered here, and you are clear over here in America, the USA, over there on the West Coast, up in that, that upper corner, right? State of Washington, there you are. And that's your part of the world for you to work for Jesus. That's your vocation, your business that you own, the job that you have, the neighbors that you influence and help and encourage. This is your field. This is where you have some influence. And that is your calling and vocation that Jesus wants to, in the presence of the Father, empower you on the earth to bring glory to God. And you're going to experience something that, I mean, the change for me, it was like the difference between getting a paycheck and depositing it and between getting to share Christ with someone and have them listen and want to know more. Such joy for people to come to experience the Creator God and to get their lives balanced and empowered and blessed by the designer God. The God who has prepared the place in heaven is working with you and I here on earth to bring beauty in a world of conflict. All because he's going to the Father. And he says, whatever you ask in my name. Now, notice it's in his name. And earlier I said, he did these things in his name. What did his name stand for? Jesus' name stood for holiness, purity, godliness, <laughs> God, and transforming power that the people he touched, the people he, who were listening, got to experience a transformed life. And he says, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He'll answer those prayers. And this is the confidence in verse 14 and 15 that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his what? His will. So it's not just you get to ask for anything that you want. I, I quite often have people tell me, I'm praying that God will help me win, and you can fill the rest of it in. Well, I don't think it, it happens. It rarely happens because God's interested in doing miracles and doing great things in different ways. And so if we ask according to his will, and then if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have what we request that we have asked of him. And so it's contingent. That's why the word if is there. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If it's his will, if it's his purposes, if it's his methods, his ways of doing things, then you stand a good chance that you're going to see action and power released. And so this message today is really about faith rather than fear. Faith rather than troubles. Faith rather than strife and reacting. So whether your struggle is a person that you're trying to relate to, 
or they're not trying to relate to you, or your business isn't doing so well, or if your bank account isn't feeling so great, or if you see a lot of troubles in the world and that gives you anxiety, then the question is, can you let go of your stress and actually put your trust in a God who has power and perspective and wisdom for you? And then the second point of faith is, are you willing to rely on Jesus as your way, your bridge to heaven, your pathway, the one who will guide you in this journey? If you're willing to step into that trust relationship, you're going to, you're going to start a new way of living life. You're going to experience life in a new way. And it's going to be by faith, not fear. And then the third point of faith is, well, am I willing to let Jesus be my God? Not just my hero. Am I willing to let Jesus, am I willing to let you be my God that I worship and trust and rely on and bring glory to? And then finally, are you willing to let your life be repurposed for his glory? That his works... Show up through you, that you become a conduit, that God guides you and you start loving people the way Jesus loved people. You share with people what you found, and some are going to respond. And Jesus ministered in this little place. And the Christian church of billions right now, worldwide, have ministered across the globe. North, south, east, and west, all around. Wow. And so greater works. Greater works, folks. You get to be repurposed for greater works. It's an exciting journey. It's an adventure. Would you like to take it? It's simply by faith in Jesus. Right now, you could pray and say, Jesus, would you take me and give me a place? I want you to be my way to heaven. I want you to be my God. And you can repurpose me and guide me from this day forward. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Um, that on that rough day with those disciples, that you gave them comfort and hope and perspective in the midst of a storm, a brewing storm. And the confluence of things came together. And you guided those, those people to comfort, to hope and perspective. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to each person here today about whether they want to go deeper in the journey or whether they just want to start the journey today and say, Jesus, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Make a place for me. And if you do that, he will. You've just heard his promises from the Bible. He will. Amen. And I want you to know that even though that day my dad went to be with Jesus, 
that I experienced a supernatural peace. It was great. 